forgot we got to wear masks in the hallway here now uh, uh, at work. So I got to, uh, as people are starting to come back, we got to wear masks more often. And I keep forgetting, but I've, I've gone to a different kind of mask that I like a lot better. So that helps. A, uh, One of those eyes a, wide shut masks, right? With the <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, the Harlequin mask, yes, <laughs> very alluring. Are people like office people going to be back today? I don't know. Uh, there are a couple, couple other radio guys have finally showed up, but uh, I mean salespeople and like uh, executives and stuff. The whole mask. I'm gonna have to start wearing a shirt again. The whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole mask etiquette thing, as I've said before, is. I never know what to do. We went, to, we bought some sheep over the weekend, bought, borrowed some sheep over the weekend to eat down uh, uh, some pastures just as, uh, you know, to help with the whole wildfire thing. Is that but, as adorable as it sounds? It's pretty adorable. Sheep um, rental? Sheep are pretty cute. But anyway, we, we borrowed these sheep and uh, I said, we were pulling up to their farm and I said, should I wear a mask? She said, uh, I suppose we ought to. I'm talking to my wife. And uh, and then the other people said, uh, do you want us to wear masks? Because they didn't have masks on. Yeah. And we said, no, we don't care. And. They didn't care if we had masks on, but I left mine on. I, I don't. I never know what. I don't know what's proper or what's not. I didn't. I don't know. I suppose we all should, but I don't. Out, I'm out not going to make it. Doors. It was, I don't worry. We about never it. got within thirty feet of each other. Oh, please take outside. it off. Yeah. I would have taken it off, but uh, do whatever you like. Coming up, uh, it was hilarious. In fact, maybe I can work with Hanson, uh, executive producer Mike Hanson, and get some tape of this. It was absolutely hilarious on Nakedly Progressive Radio this morning. They were interviewing Bob Bob Woodward. And uh, and he was actively undermining their big narrative about how Trump knew how dangerous it was and lied to the nation. He said, "That's not. That's really not what I wrote in the book." Is that what he said? I didn't, I, well, that, not precisely, but I'll explain okay. his explanation. And it was just funny to hear the frustration of the uh, the reporter who was very annoyed at having their their narrative undermined by the guy who wrote the friggin' book. And and Trump, he's no fan of Trump. I mean, oh obviously. no no no! As as he stated in his conclusion on sixty minutes last night, he doesn't usually come to conclusions in books. He just reports. But in this book, at the end, he says, "I've concluded that this man is not fit to be president." Which yeah. is a pretty strong thing to say. Yep, yeah, it is. Um, and as I've said many times, I think we all ought to vote on that. Let's yeah. all get together. <laughs> When's good? First week in November. How about fifty days from now? <laughs> nice round number. Let's do it. <laughs> So more on that to come. Are you familiar with the cuties controversy? It's uh, not the little uh, the mandarin oranges. Little easy to peel oranges. No, no, no. This is something very different. There's no controversy about those. They're delicious <laughs> and so easy to peel. Oh yeah, that's they're like the sharpays. They got the loose skin, and you just peel it right off. I don't recommend you peel a Sharpay. That'd be gruesome. <laughs> oh, but my God. The, uh, what has happened? <laughs> that's the worst thing I've ever heard. And that, that's when he cracked, folks. <laughs> he was led away in a gurney, and they put out a press release that said he'd retired. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, it, it may be impossible to go on. My, oh, you know what? Perfect. Michael, let's uh, audition the new transition music. Do you have that handy? Um, let me see here. No, no, no that's the, that's old, the transition old transition music. music. I, I thought Hanson had worked this out. You're both fired. And All the right. idea, <laughs> the idea of transition music is it helps us get to uh, from one thing to another if they really don't match up. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah, one super serious, one super silly, or vice versa. Yeah. Okay, so this one we'll we'll edit it out to make it a little tighter. My home, but he's not up until. 
The idea is it wipes your mind clean. That's, this is pretty good. That's some pretty good yodeling. Oh, yeah. It's the audio version of the, the little eye-flashing things they did in the Men in Black movies, where yeah. the little memory erase. Yeah, boom. I had no idea what we were talking about. All right, that's plenty. <laughs> that guy's killing it. I mean, yodeling is one of those things. There are foods yeah. like this. Uh, that uh, it's just amazing for about 45 seconds, and then you just please turn it off. If I could do that as well as that person, I still wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I admire you for that. If I could I be the you. best in the world at yodeling, unless you put a gun in my head, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless you're in Austria in 1970 or whatever that was. <laughs> that's the look it had. So, uh, and of course, now we, we, we don't have adequate time, but we can get started anyway on this cuties um, controversy. It's this movie on Netflix. Uh, it's funny. I was on Netflix a, a number of times over the weekend, and you know they feed you the newest stuff and previews. And this one wasn't on my feed for some reason. I wonder if they're kind of keeping this one on the down low, I... as opposed to really pushing it toward you like they are the new Cobra Kai show or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, that is uh, perhaps the case. It's about an eleven-year-old girl from uh, Senegal. She's an immigrant to. To France, she's uh, trying to find her place. Uh, growing up in a poor suburb of Paris, her family strict, observant Muslims. Her her world, her school, the girls she befriends, uh, very much secular, and it's about her her struggles. But one of the things, one of the main plots of the movie is she joins this dance team that does very disturbingly sexual dancing for little girls of that age okay and so well, if it if it were 25 year olds i wouldn't want my kids to see it <laughs> well no in the movie's not for children and that kind of gets to one of my problems with with it is the marketing of it has just been so strange reminds me of the uh what was the the dog gets cancer movie me and marley and me mm-hmm. was, spoiler alert well, it was marketed as a, a, a comedy romp. Jennifer Aniston and her cute man have a puppy. And then the dog ends up dying. Every person leaves the theater just bawling their eyes out. All right, yeah. What What did you just dupe me into? Anyway. Peeled Sharpays. The, the, marketing, the marketing of this is, um, it's like the young girl finds herself through dance and learns to fit in and blah, blah, blah. But so uh, then I saw a different uh, trailer that was incredibly disturbingly sexual with these little girls. And so uh, people are, are, are dropping their Netflix contribution. Uh, I'm sorry, they're, I'm reading as I'm talking. Their subscriptions, they are uh, demonstrating, writing letters, etc. Um, and it's, it's, it's become a thing, as the kids say. Now, here it gets really interesting. We got this note from uh julie um who'd been reading about it had watched the trailers and the rest of it and the french view is ignorant intolerant americans who haven't even bothered to watch the film are calling for it to be censored as child porn when in fact the whole point of the movie is to shine a light on the hypersexualized world that young girls are growing up in so she watched it. The point of the movie is we're sexualizing little girls, and it's sick. Okay. But as uh, Molly Hemingway of, uh, what's she, the Federalist? Mm-hmm. Um, as she tweeted over the weekend, 
stop telling me I have to watch child pornography to understand how bad it is, essentially. <laughs> so I find myself, I was thinking, I was trying to think yeah, honestly about this. There's a bit of trying to have it both ways there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like a, a taxi driver, legendary movie from very early 70s, Robert De Niro. It's it's how Robert De Niro became a big thing, unfortunately, and we're still living with the awful after effects. <laughs> But one of the main plot points of the movie is he decides to rescue this, what is she, 14-year-old, 12, 14-year-old prostitute, Jodie Foster. Um, Her emergence, not nearly as unfortunate as De Niro's. Uh, But she was very sexualized in the movie, and part of it was to show how sick that whole world is. So... I don't. I don't have any desire to. Uh, well, I'd have to, to watch, watch the show. It's all about the execution, right? Uh, let me read to you a little bit of what Julie said. Uh, bah, bah, bah. So I watched it, and here's a review. As a film, well, if you're into indie films, i.e., slow paced and kind of depressing, it's all right. As a polemic, I'd say American shock value marketing is 95% responsible. Okay. Uh, the film itself is centered more on the protagonist coming to grips with her strict polygamist Singalese family and finding her place in Western society. The dancing accounts for maybe a grand total of six minutes of the film. Are the crotch shots and hypersexualized choreography disturbing? Absolutely. But that's exactly the point the director is making. It should make us super uncomfortable, but it is happening. No one who actually watches the whole film could come away feeling like the dancing in the clip you saw was being glorified. These girls from the poor um, neighborhoods of Paris are a mess from the outset, and you try to root for them, but they make such bad choices over and over. It's like watching a slow-motion train wreck. The movie is meant to be a precautionary tale, not an inspirational dance troupe film, as Netflix posters might suggest. Okay, I get it, and it could be something I'd really like. Um, Yeah. I don't like the way it was pitched to... Who are you trying to lure in with that pitch, I guess? You know, pedophiles and people who like to watch little girls dance. Um, should it be banned? I should think not. The film is simply holding up a mirror to the society your kids are growing up in. Yeah, I get it. <clears throat> I see 11-year-old girls uh, you know, at a grade school dressed in ways that uh, 11-year-old girls didn't dress when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if we're going to start censoring something, it should be car- the Cardi B's and WAPs out there. The laps. Um, should Netflix be boycotted? Probably not, but they do deserve a slap for the way they marketed the film in English. If it weren't for that poster and dance clip, the film probably would have just passed quietly into art art art, art house obscurity. Um, in summary, be thankful that your little girls have already grown up. Yeah, I am in a way. Thanks, Julie, for that uh, well considered note. So on the way, while the world is paying attention to COVID, China and India are getting closer and closer to military conflict on a day-by-day basis oh boy. with an unprecedented buildup among their borders. Are you trying to tell us, who, while we've been obsessed with our own problems, the world has continued to turn? And it's frightening. The two biggest countries in the world, both nuclear powers. More on that, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. This is Sam Amy Winehouse. 
on her what would have been her birthday. Okay, I've never checked out her music. I got to admit, other than her rehab. Oh, thing. oh it's fantastic! Oh, Wonderful, oh, my God, good look. Yeah, I mean, she's just amazingly skilled and creative and a great songwriter. And her just as a singer, her phrasing was ridiculous. Why but. are so many great artists uh, alcoholics or drug addicts? Uh, take too long. I don't know. Well, give me the brief version. If you and you don't have to be all all your great artists who sober up say, "I was lying to myself. I'd have been better if I hadn't." Right? Drank oh, yeah. or done drugs? They all say that. Yeah, one of the my ones favorite songwriters is living that right now. Very few of them live to say that, but any of them that live do say that. I think if you are the calm, even keel type person, you don't have. A lot of passions roiling in you. You feel no need to create anything. Mm. I mean, you might create lovely things in your community or whatever. You don't have this burning desire to express yourself. Well, that's obviously part of it. And uh, that personality type is more prone to want to self-medicate because you just... You you can't deal with passions that strong all the time. Yeah, the other part of it seems to be, uh, just from reading about these people my whole life, is... uh well-adjusted people don't tend to sit in their bedroom for 12 hours a day practicing the guitar. Right. You just don't. <laughs> right. It, it would be hor- it'd be torturous for most well-adjusted people to be alone in a room practicing painting from sunrise to sunset every day. Music is likely just one of many addictions. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's, that's one way to put it. And and there also is the, the mythology that you have to be a hard-drinking, carousing, a three to eight marriage having you know person to write good yeah, songs. That's what I was going to get to. I wish that story would get out more. I read this book called The Thirsty Muse years ago. It was really good. It was about four great American authors that were all drunks. The Thirsty Mules? Muse. No, oh. they played last week and I saw them. It was great. If your mule's thirsty, get him a bucket of water. And it was Faulkner... I don't. I don't remember all who it was, uh, but it was uh, you know famous authors that drank themselves to death young. Fitzgerald, mm. and uh, and then one Eugene O'Neill who wrote The Iceman Cometh and a bunch of other stuff. He got sober. The other ones died. He got sober, and he like Stevie Ray Vaughan, like Eric Clapton, like you could name so many of them that got sober. Saying no, I would have been way better if I hadn't drank or done drugs. That wasn't how I got good. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, that story doesn't get out to the young people. You know, the people that have been through it say no, no, no. That held them back. They're incredibly talented and and all that without it. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that the the, the myth of you got to be, you know, as uh, Hemingway used to say, I can out drink, out fight, and out blank any man on earth. Mm. Yeah, all right, good for you, but the drinking part will lend lead to an early death. What's that blanking contest going to look like? How do we organize that? Is, that <laughs> is it a dura- point, point system? Or is it by what? duration or number? Of- I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> is it a bracket system, like a NCAA style? <laughs> oh, is, it, is it like uh, Yelp reviews? Oh, that could be. You, you, you have a, a few consensual experiences. Your Uber then, score. Right. You got a 4.4. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm probably, if, you're, if I was going to have an Uber score on that, it'd probably be in the threes. Does effort count? <laughs> Three um, three point eight. I could live with that. <laughs> According to a guy who writes for the Financial Times and with, is with John Hopkins University, I've become aware of the Financial Times being maybe the best newspaper in the world, but it's too expensive to subscribe to. Oh my gosh, yes! But it's really good. Anyway, he said there is now a real risk of military conflict between India and China. While the world remains preoccupied with the COVID nineteen pandemic. 
And the U.S. is distracted by all our domestic politics, the election, the unrest in the streets and everything like that. India and China are involved in an unprecedented military buildup along their long disputed border. And they got uh, they were throwing punches at each other over the weekend. Literal punches or ordinance? Uh, because they had some fist fights between the, you know. Yeah. Because the, the, the rules say their soldiers have to be unarmed there to avoid anything getting crazy. It is no longer possible to dismiss the conflict between India and China as a skirmish. He thinks it's headed quite possibly toward an actual war, which, would be, which would be a big deal. Oh, my. Two countries with a billion people each going at it? Seems like a big deal. And nuclear weapons. Well, not only that, but if I'm Pakistan and India is occupied with China, I make a couple of moves. Because they have, you know, various disputes and uh, and disputed uh, land and the rest of it. And so then you have India think thinking, Pakistan, you blankety blanks, you take advantage of this now? We've been angry at you forever here. Here's a little uh, here's a little nuke in the middle of uh, wherever. Anyway, throw that in just for a uh, could 2020 get any worse? Never even ask that. Or question. could 2020 <laughs> get any more historic? I do feel like something globally, since we're so inward looking, is oh, going to be the uh, anyway. That's enough of that. Yeah, Sorry, leave it that. alone, Nostradamus. Nobody cares. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Donald Trump over the weekend in Nevada with a giant rally. I'm looking at the video and... uh, Oh, indoors. Yeah. Controversial. Lots of people in the crowd and very few masks. And I got to tell you, I am... I'm not. I'm. And the media's making a huge deal out of this, of course. But I wouldn't be in that room with all those people with no masks. I'm I'd not prefer not to be. Yeah, I'd prefer not to be. Yeah, if I was 22 and healthy, I wouldn't care. Um, but at this stage uh, of my my life, yeah, interesting. Yeah, the media is making a huge deal of it, having ignored you know the various violent protests and the rest where people were spreading the disease. But do uh, the media does what the media does? Here's what I do: breaking news, Michael. Break it, donkey worthy. Slap Brandon, the news donkey, on the... (laughs) Our donkey is slacking. No, you don't get a carrot for that. You were late. Don't look at me. Yeah, no carrot. The CEO... Back in your pen. The CEO of Pfizer, Alberto... This actually happened yesterday, but Albert Borla... um, said that they would know whether their COVID-19 vaccine is effective by the end of October. They'll know for sure by the end of October whether there's a vaccine, then it could be distributed to Americans before the end of 2020. I don't believe a single thing I hear anymore about COVID or the vaccine or anything. <laughs> so I was just talking to I was just talking to a coworker who so their kid his kids get to go back to school a couple of days for a couple of hours which is actually making their lives more difficult than it was before right because now you got to get them back and forth to school and the child care you've lined up isn't you know it's just it's just harder than it was just doing only distance learning 
Um, and then in particular, uh, some concern about, okay, so they're going to be back in school. Are they going to bring the COVID back home to us? And then asking the doctor, could we get a test to see if we've had it already? And uh, have the antibodies and the doctor saying those don't really work anyway. And a different doctor saying, oh, yeah, they'll work and we'll give it to you. Oh, boy. And my experience from a couple of weeks ago of I was feeling a little sick and my wife had felt a little sick. And I asked if I could get a, a COVID test. And they said, not unless you have a fever. It varies from place to place. Mm-hmm. One doctor, you know, in the in case of this coworker, saying, no, the, the antibodies only last three months. So you... It wouldn't matter anyway, and a different doctor saying a different thing. Who, who knows? Does anybody claim to have the final word on any of this? Well, many claim it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How are we six months in and still this lost? Is that just the way it works? Yeah, I guess, you know, six months of this seems incredibly long. But in terms of coming to terms with a, a brand new novel disease, it's a blink of an eye, I guess. It's, if, it's humbling. If the vaccine is ready January next year, we're ahead of the pace of typical vaccines by about nine years. But so there are plenty of people that believe if you get the light dose of it, which we may have all had, your antibodies only last for a couple of months, and then you're right back in the pool of people that could get it and be really sick. That's my understanding of it. Wow. Which, which may change. Yeah. I was reading a New York Times piece on uh, so one of the rare times i've gone to the new york times and actually speaking of schools i have another really interesting thing that i read there but they're talking about how it attacks brain cells and we are at the infancy of understanding it um but uh it it seems pretty clear that some people it's a genetic subtype or, or whatever the virus goes into the brain and starts colonizing brain cells and can lead to all sorts of nasty symptoms um you know con- confusion and headaches and uh, inability to concentrate and all sorts of nasty, foggy brain stuff. Um, And they don't even know if it's reversible. So we're we're really in the infancy of understanding this thing. It's it's a nasty disease. Um, But so you we you some you'll never get to herd immunity if people get light doses of it. The antibodies only last a couple of months. No, no. The only thing to get a vaccine. The only thing you can hope for is that. And we were talking about this with the the Greek system, the fraternities and sororities on one college campus. If so many people have it at in a given you know six month period, you have enough people with immunity. The virus bounces around; it can't find a host; it dies out. If you can keep people you know geographically isolated, um. So it, you don't need permanent immunity for a disease to go away. You just need enough immunity in a given time that it runs out of hosts. It can't replicate anymore, and it just it dies out. Um, but who knows how possible that is. I, I read all the time. I read for a living. And I don't know whether it's a one in a thousand chance uh, that we could get to a point like that. I mean, assuming the vaccine never comes around that's truly effective. I don't know if it's a one in a thousand chance or a one in five chance, or maybe a hundred percent chance that oh yeah it'll it'll die out eventually, or will it be like the common cold that's just around? I don't know. Common cold doesn't kill you. Nope. 
Uh, Bob Woodward, I see, is on uh, the Today Show, so he's making it around to all the the media outlets, huh? Does he have more to say, or, or is the most exciting <laughs> stuff from the book out there already? I, I would assume so. I heard an interview with him today, and it would seem that not only is the most exciting stuff out, but he's undermining the narrative. And and let's let what's uh, the clip number? Uh, Scott Gottlieb. Um, uh, how about fifty one? Go ahead and play that. Now, you could say, well, the president put those people in place. He's responsible. You know, you can make second order arguments around that. But I think ultimately the White House did not have the information they need to make decisions. The key function of agencies and the government is to provide policymakers with accurate, actionable information. The White House didn't have it. And I had a lot of conversations with the White House over this time period because I was concerned it was spreading here. And I was pushing them on that. And they were they were telling me over and over that they were hearing from top officials um, from the agencies that they were pretty confident that it wasn't spreading here. I think when history looks back, that's going to be a key moment. That's what was going on over February. Yeah, there were one of Woodward's answers last night on 60 Minutes made me think that also. That's where Trump got screwed, is he was misled by the CDC and others. Right, right. So he was on NPR today, and... uh, Woodward? Woodward was, yeah. And they they asked him about... uh, The lead question was essentially, if you knew that the president was lying about how severe this was way back in February. Why didn't you come forward with the information? And he said, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but, whoa, 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 wait a minute, that conversation about uh, coronavirus is dangerous and it goes through the air, and yeah, it's pretty nasty. We were talking about China. The president was talking about what was going on in Wuhan at that time. Mm, Interesting. And he said, uh, at, at the same time this was going on, uh, that Trump was saying, I don't think it's going to be a big problem in the United States. Dr. Fauci was saying, the, 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 the sainted Dr. Fauci, according to the left media, um, and I think he's fine. I don't share the dislike some of our listeners have for him, but um, Fauci was saying the same thing. No, it's 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 fine. I don't think it's going to be a serious problem in the country. And so Woodward said, yeah, the, the, con- uh, the contrast is um, his message for the U.S. and what he was saying privately about China. So he completely undermined. Woodward the, said that. Yes, Woodward wow, himself. That's interesting. The, the media narrative has been just deafening lately that Trump lied, people died. Mm-hmm. And listen, you can be critical of the uh, the administration's response to the coronavirus. I sure am. If you include the CDC and, and the giant bureaucracies in the administration, and they're supposed to run it, so you know the buck stops there. But that particular narrative is just silly. Well, I thought an interesting... A thing that came out of the 60 Minutes interview with Woodward last night was uh, the very meeting that they had, the first big meeting they had on the coronavirus. This is one where the uh, National Security Advisor said this will be the biggest threat to your presidency. One, that guy is, he's like me with World War Three. Apparently he's one of those guys that every <laughs> everything that comes across, this is going to be... World War Three. This is going to be like the pandemic of 1918. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just that guy for one thing. And also, as Woodward said last night on 60 Minutes, and there was a debate in the room. There were other people that said, uh, no, this isn't going to be that big a deal, and here's why. So it wasn't a clear cut, Mr. President, why won't you listen? Sort the of whole situation. cabinet on their knees begging yeah. him. Yeah, there right. were different, differing views on, yeah. on how big a deal it was going to be. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind, Woodward ends the book by saying essentially Trump is unfit to be president. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was going rather uh, strongly, in, you know, against the media narrative of the last week. So, in fact, they're still hammering that. 
They actually on CNN, which again is unwatchable. It's unlistenable. I only do it because I'm punishing myself for my sins. <laughs> um, but they were actually saying Trump lied and hundreds of thousands have died of coronavirus. Oh, okay. Okay. So is your kid remote learning? Almost certainly if you have a kid, at some point they have been in the last year. Uh, I have a beef, and so do a lot of parents, with some of these platforms that are being used at the schools. Do you have one beef or several beefs? I have several beefs. Yes. Funny, my son, my uh, third grader, who were homeschooling, he's learning from home. Uh, we were working on plurals the other day. Hooves. Yes. Leaves. As opposed to leafs, that sort of thing. And I threw in the beeves, which uh, nobody <laughs> believed me until we had, you know. And we go to the old interwebs. <laughs> That's right. The people plural, wrote the beef. The plural of beef is beeves. It's because people don't ever use the plural of beef. That's right. why you Maybe don't ever... should. <laughs> I have several beeves in my freezer. <laughs> anyway, those beeves on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Tonight at a packed indoor rally, President Trump breaking Nevada's COVID restrictions to court voters in the key battleground state. We're going to win Nevada. Speaking to a throng of mostly maskless supporters, his first indoor rally in nearly three months. The state prohibits gatherings of more than 50 people, but Trump defiant. And if the governor comes after you, which he shouldn't be doing, I'll be with you all the way. I'll be with you all the way. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people in that arena. For so you know, uh, the mask part of it getting all the attention, but pretty big crowd mm-hmm. uh, for Trump right there. And uh, hmm, I'm not gathering with a giant group of people indoors with no masks, but you can if you want. Yeah, those people want to go, go. Um. Meanwhile, enthusiasm for Joe Biden continues to be sky high. <laughs> among nobody. Uh, Bernie talked about that last week, that he's a little concerned about the enthusiasm gap. But more on that later. I wanted to talk about this. So, as I've said before, I don't blame schools for getting caught flat-footed. No, nobody ever saw this coming. I didn't think there'd ever be a chance that you'd have to close down schools and teach everybody remotely all of a sudden out of nowhere. And so people were scrambling and weren't ready for it. But, oh my God, it, it was a mess and it was a disaster. And the kids didn't learn anything uh, second half of last year. And it's not a whole lot better a lot of places this year. And these online platforms, um, there's a number of problems with them. This long article that Sean uh, highlighted for me, I didn't get through the whole thing. It's very long and very entertaining about this one platform called a Celis Learning Accelerator. Um, it was being used in La Mesa Spring Valley in the San Diego area. Also Alameda a School District in the Bay Area of California. And it's just a disaster. I mean, it's just a mess in all kinds of different ways. I'll give you an interest. Uh, One lesson showed an image of a bank robber while depicting Harriet Tubman's escape from slavery. (laughs) Another asked students, which terrorist group was led by Osama bin Laden and listed towel ban as a possible answer? Towel Um, ban? Towel ban. Um, 
It's not like that was the decoy answer. No, like that, the, yeah. there, there wasn't Taliban and towel ban. It's just, it's just really, really sloppy yeah. and hastily thrown together oh, by people who claim to have uh, PhDs but don't seem to have any teaching degrees of anything. And it's just it's a mess in all kinds of different ways. Fraud. And the details of it are, are pretty entertaining. Um, another video for young children introduces the letter G with a gun. You know, I'm not as freaked out by guns as a lot of people, but there are plenty of things you could use for G. Seems like an odd choice when <laughs> grapes and gorillas are on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's really funny. Um, uh, but the schools hadn't vetted this system. Oh, um, uh, there was like a, ca- a cartoon character called Sweetie Lips. That's a lipstick-wearing cartoon pig that appears in some of the uh, online instruction. Wait a minute. I'm entertained. Uh, Tell me more about this, Sweetie some Lips. Some other characters ask Sweetie Lips, where did your name come from? And she blushes and she says, don't ask. We're not even going there. Oh, my. What the heck is that? My. You can put lipstick on a pig. Wow. It's still a pig. One video for first graders posted by a, another parent who's unhappy with this platform shows a cartoon duck reacting to police sirens by fleeing the scene. <laughs> Get back to the sexy ham. <laughs> <laughs> two of my passions coming together right there. Uh, one class where they're supposed to be learning fractions and equations. The math lesson was actually teaching simple addition and subtraction for numbers under 10. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Anyway, so how did schools end up adopting this? How many? How did so many schools around the country end up relying on a cellist for remote learning? Well, one explanation is that it promises the exact thing schools and parents like me were screaming about is you got to get everything on one platform. This whole patchwork of websites with different we- with different logins and passwords and everything for nine different things is not working. It's a disaster. Wow. So this offered everything on one one platform. So schools said, "Sign me up," without apparently doing hardly any investigation into wow. whether or not the thing was worth a damn or not wow so that's kind of funny on its own and this stuff wasn't cheap either the schools have to pay a pretty penny to get access to whatever this distance learning course is worth mentioning right there how freely people spend other people's money um well if you want talking sex pigs you're gonna have to pay for it <laughs> all right i mean doesn't I'm, come cheap. I'm angry about a couple of platforms that have been pushed in uh, learning environments my kids have been adjacent to, I'll be very vague, that upsell you in the damn program. And this, can't, this we can't have this. So the, the teachers want your kid to get on this particular platform to learn about typing, for instance, or a variety of things, and you earn, like, gold coins. I mean, it's the same um, it's the same influence as all your video games. You earn gold coins, and kids just automatically want to get more gold coins so you mm-hmm. can buy online things. Well, to get to the next level, you have to sign up for the $10 a month package if you want to be able to do that. And if you want to have a hammer, which can earn even more gold coins, you have to sign up for the $50 a month platform. Oh, boy. And uh, and, and my kid... This uh, is through the school. <laughs> through the, Well, this is, the school is promoting it. I don't know, technically through the school, I think everybody was just scrambling to find websites. That would teach the stuff they want to teach. I don't know if they just don't get it or mm. don't care or what. But the idea that my kid is coming to me and saying, can I sign up for this? I can only get the gold coins if I'm, you know, a gold member at $20 a month. That stinks. Oh, my god. That gosh. is no good at all. Wow. And that's uh, common in a couple of different uh, programs that uh, my kid is supposed to be on. <sighs> We got to do better than this. Yeah, and I realize, yeah. like I said, it came on. It came out of nowhere, but it shouldn't be that hard to get some educators together with some people that understand how you keep kids' attention and that sort of stuff. Craft some nonprofit, non crazy 
online platforms that can be uh, used for learning. Yeah. Where you don't have sex pigs or a uh, a membership you have to buy. Boy, that's troubling. Uh, yeah. The, the uh, failed New York Times had a long... Conversation between like four or five different people, uh, education professionals, reporters, whatever. Uh, the The title of the article was "Will Twenty Twenty Be a Lost Year for American Children?" And there's one part in particular I really want to share with you next hour. If you get the Armstrong and Getty Show next hour, if you don't, uh, well, bemoan your terrible fate or complain to your local station or go to ArmstrongandGetty.com and uh, download the podcast. Listen to that explicit new Taylor Swift CD. I'm I'm shocked. She, uh, the pure-hearted uh, American uh, girl next door, has well, gone porno. She's grown up, Joe. I don't think she's gone porno. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to be sensational. Um, but uh, quite a few schools. I mean, we've gotten a number of texts today from people whose kids are getting back into the classroom at a variety of levels. So maybe the online distance thing won't become as important. But right, uh, it can't be that. How hard could it be to throw together some sort of online learning platform for like simple math and reading stuff like that that doesn't include porno pigs or selling you a membership? It can't be that difficult. No, and I have a feeling they exist, but. Keep in mind that those platforms have to conform to various, you know, bureaucraties requirements and check boxes. And in the case of this one, it appears they just faked it up. You're always talking about, you know, missing opportunities, obvious opportunities. When this thing started, should have quickly gotten with somebody who's a programmer and thrown together some sort of online learning platform. Yeah. And then it's all about the salesmanship, which that part we could do. But, I mean, you know, just quickly get it out to schools. You need a platform? We got it for you. You know, we're not going to have Harriet Tubman uh, per- portrayed as a bank robber in it, but <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.